What's up, everybody? Ryan Anderson here, back for episode two of Under the Barbell. Um, just to recap from last episode, I got some notes here. Um, when I was talking about bench pressing um, with the leg drive, leg drive happens at the distal hamstrings, um, or the hamstrings in general. For me, it's distally, and I see a lot of people do it. can do it distally. Some people can benefit from it proximally in the end it can somewhat depend on your uh, anthropometric levers and um, things like that but in general leg drive is going to happen at the hamstrings um, your feet aren't going to move a, a ton your toes will probably push um, toward the floor it's for the ascent um, by the utilization of the leg drive so that's what happens with me so um, next is, um, conventional deadlifts. That one's a little bit hard to explain, so I just, um, recommend watching some tutorials. Um, uh, find, like, a Jeff Nippert video on YouTube for deadlifting. He has good stuff. Um, Jeremy Ather. Um, people like that kind of get some knowledgeable dudes that have good, you know, um, visuals and stuff like that. For me, it just takes too long. It's cool and everything I have going on. I'm kind of busy, so haven't been able to release a lot of episodes here, but I'm working on it. Um, for the hip thrust, um, we're going to want to emphasize horizontal hip extension. So full glute lockout at the top. Um, it should be 90 degrees formed in the behind the knee in that popliteal space in that region right behind the knee between the distal hamstring and the upper gastrocnemius. Um, yep, and that was it. So today I want to talk about um, multivitamins, the safety of one rep maxing, and foam rolling the spine. Alright, let's start with multivitamins. I'm going to keep this one short. I'm probably going to, I'm sure I'll cover other supplements. Um, in future episodes, I feel like having like just one segment on one episode where I just cover all the supplements or every supplement. It it's kind of overwhelming because I mean, um, there's there's a fair amount of supplements that that do work, and obviously some work better than others. Some are well more well known and some are less well known. So um, today I'm just going to keep it at multivitamins, and this this one's. So, with multivitamins, basically, um, I have some reasoning behind this, but multivitamins, you get, if you get, I get the, the cheap Equate brand from Walmart that has um, all 29 of your essential vitamins and minerals. It keeps your body functioning. Now, the thing with this is, with multivitamins... My philosophy is this. So, multivitamin, first thing in the morning when you wake up, you take multivitamin. What this is doing is you have you have everything, you're giving your body everything it needs at the very start of the morning. I mean, it doesn't have 100% of everything, but it has 100% of a lot of, like, most of everything listed. Like, um, it even has 100% iron, which is kind of interesting, but some things, I mean, are pretty common in the western diet so or in a typical western diet for for most people so it's 
I mean, having 100% vitamin C is kind of like, well, most people get enough vitamin C in their diet with colorful foods and things like that. So anyways, um, with multivitamins, if you take one the first thing in the morning when you wake up, that is going to put your body at in a good place for the rest of your day because, you know, vitamins and minerals, the, these things are help your body function. So all of the functions, it, it sets it up for a good start to the day. And with everything that our body is exposed to throughout the day, like uh, pathogens and things like that that can make us sick, we have everything we need from the very start of our days to um, fight off things like um, pathogens trying to invade our body and get us sick. So something as simple as taking a multivitamin first thing in the morning, get a, get a good multivitamin. You don't need 7,000% of vitamin B12 I mean, a lot of that stuff you see is just overrated as hell. It's it's crazy. Um, so anyways, that's my philosophy behind that. Um, next, we move on to the safety of one rep matching. Now this, really, oh boy. I'm not sure, I mean, I had a point like this too in my lifting um, career thus far. I mean, at the very start, I... I mean, you always want to run one rep max, you know, people, I mean, at some point in your lifting career, everybody is going to have a time where they like to just one rep max because, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a fair indicator of progress to an extent, which I'll get into in a minute, but like, um, all right, yeah, so with one rep maxing though, the thing is that since you're going to, so obviously you're going to fail at some point in the range of motion and with controlled lifting and knowing you can handle it, it, so basically you're doing a one rep max attempt and I mean your technique has to be good because if your technique is off, it's going to, it sends the everything, I mean your whole, having your technique off is going to send too much force to some muscles while not having enough force sent to others and I mean this can cause fatigue build up very quickly and lead to acute injury but um so with one rep maxing you're stalling in one range of the motion for likely what is a a fair few seconds of a really strong contraction trying going on trying to get that weight up so I mean uh let's see off the chest right off the chest like not two inches off the chest, but right off the chest is chest. So if you feel right off the chest and you're you're trying to get that bar up and you were holding it for like five, six, seven seconds, like that's a that's a contraction of your chest muscles. And that I mean, <laughs> you have a finite num you have a finite ability to hold the contraction without it being able to cause a spasm. And spasms are uncomfortable. And these things over time, they these things when prolonged can lead to injury. So, um. What I do is I have an, I have a running estimated one rep max for pretty much all of my lifts except like the higher volume stuff. Like nobody cares about what you can one rep max on a face pull. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, I I generally have a um a running one rep max for my bench and its variations and squat and deadlifts variations and everything like that. And the main lifts, um, just so I can work my top sets off, um, the session off of my one rep max and 
you know, how many reps left in reserve I have. But, I mean, generally the research has, um, has shown that you can get the same amount of benefit by training up to four reps away from failure. So that'd be RPE 6 on a, on a 10 RPE scale um, without putting yourself at such a high risk for, you know, tearing a pec or something like that. So, and I see way too many people max out nowadays. It's like, if you're going for looks, like you don't ever have to max out on any lift, ever. I just personally think that, I mean, it just makes no sense. Like, there is there is really no benefit to that. If you want to... If you want to hold a contraction that long, do isometrics, but do it with weight you can handle. Because, I mean, your muscles aren't going to be contracting, like, full force, like, like it, it they are in a one rep max, or, like, um, centered to a specific uh, group of muscles or muscle... Um, so a group of muscles like the, the pec, the pectorals, um, right off the chest in a bench press. Like if you want to do that, I mean, you can do spoto press, but like in spoto press, you're not touching your chest. Um, I mean, it's actually, it's mainly a shoulder, shoulder exercise. So not spoto press, but, um, pause bench. So like a competition bench press for powerlifting. Um, um, yeah, so you're pausing it on your chest, but. I mean, you, as long as you're choosing a weight that you can do, you're not, you don't have to put in full force, a hundred percent, like you're, you're bracing as hard as you possibly can. Um, I mean, you shouldn't be really maxing out on an isometric unless it's in a, like competition, like powerlifters have to, um, hold that bar on their chest motionless until they get the press command. So there are cases like that where you have to kind of, uh, bench the rules a bit and put yourself in harm's way but to just do it just for just to do it just to make like a just to make yourself noticed that's just a horrible way to look at it and I mean I'll be honest I I did it because of that in super early on in my lifting career and I'm sure most of us have I mean we live and we learn, but, um, yeah, I just, I see too, way too many people wonder I'm action these days. It's nuts. Our next topic and our last topic for today's episode is going to be foam rolling the spine. Um, all right, we'll keep this one simple. When you're foam rolling the spine, you want, um, for me personally, and I think I can speak for the majority of people here, that a round foam roller without any like spikes or, or divots or anything like that coming out of it, like pointy parts like some of those for the myofascial release ones where you can really dig into the skin and try and tack into that muscle um, and uh, increase circulation and, and that kind of stuff. You don't really want that for the spine. Spine's kind of like, you got the spinous processes and the thoracic vertebrae. They, you just want like a nice thing to roll over there. Um, so nice round foam roller, um, stable, long, not something that you're like supporting your entire body weight on a, on a lacrosse ball. Like, that's not good. Um, uh, don't foam roll the back of your neck. Uh, don't foam roll your lumbar spine. Um, so don't foam roll your neck. Don't foam roll your lower back. 
Um, you can foam roll your glutes and everything. I, I get trigger points in my glutes. I use a lacrosse ball or something similar to break that up. But um, yeah, don't don't foam roll your lower back because um, I'll explain that here real quick. Um, I'll try and keep this um, simple here. Uh, okay, so foam rolling the lower back. Basically, there's no anterior bony support like the like the rib cages holding the thoracic spine up with that counterbalance. So basically, your CNS, your central nervous system, your brain, and everything sends is going to send impulses for everything to um, hold the contraction and to provide that originally lacking um, support anterior anteriorly and posteriorly. I mean, there's the rectus, there's the abs there, but I mean, even then, like it doesn't really compare to that thoracic. Uh, rib cage and everything um and so you got it's going to cause everything to just tense up and it's it's counterintuitive because you want everything to like relax into the roller and you want to be able to like tack into that um those muscle uh muscular knots and everything so um and then if you if you just avoid these cns um natural signals here it's and you just let everything go completely slack in your lumbar spine. This is also horrible or bad because um, you're gonna your lumbar spine is gonna take the shape of the foam roller itself, and it's gonna go into like a hyperextended position, and this stresses the facet joints on the back of the um, vertebrae themselves. And these things can over time lead to things like facet joint syndrome and facet joint pathology. Everything, anything like that. Um, yeah, facet joint. I mean, I've dealt with. Um, I, I have extension, hyperextension pain. I've used to hyperextend my sumo deadlifts, but, and, um, for some period of time and, you know, this stuff is not fun. Um, I've gotten a lot better and getting through a rehab right now. Um, I haven't had a flare up. I've had like one flare up in the last like month and a half for my back. Um, it's kind of changes the symptoms do, which is noted in the research that, you know, that happens, but, um, yeah, so just don't foam roll your lower back, um, that's why, those are a few of the reasons why there, um, don't foam roll your neck, um, foam rolling the thoracic spine, I think is a fantastic idea, here's my theory behind it, so foam rolling the thoracic spine, you're gonna start with the thoracic spine just distal to your neck, um, so, if you, um, let's see, so C7 vertebrae, actually, no, I'm not going to get into that. Um, so basically just start, um, create like a little shelf with your, with your shoulders and, um, put the foam roller just above that shelf, but not on your neck neck, like very, at the very base of it by still being supported by, um, being supported by that shelf and then kind of. Clasp your hands behind your head and then um, bring your head forward with your hands clasped behind it. Um, like genuinely pull it forward as, as you roll down uh, the roller. And this is going to um, release that um, air pressure or um, pressure buildup of the gas inside your thoracic vertebrae. Now, um, my... Um, theory is that with um, uh, my theory is that with 
um, overly or prolonged um, slouching postures or hyperextended postures like um, when I used to get stressed at work I'd hyperextend for some reason in my spine when these things happen um, I think it was like a uh, it might have been more of thoracic extension like over doing it but um anyways um i i believe that um postures with prolonged flexion and um or prolonged flexion postures and prolonged um extension into hyperextension postures or hyperextension um is gonna kind of create that that gas buildup in the that pressure from the gas building up in each vertebrae it's going to uh, limit verte uh, segmental range of motion in your thoracic vertebrae so instead of being able to like um, instead of being able to like move up a little at a time your whole thoracic vertebrae is going to go at once it's going to be like you're going to feel it locked kind of the whole thing locked in place and moving as a unit instead of or moving as a whole unit instead of being able to have freedom or range of motion and um, a variety of directions so if, if you're dealing with that, give out or give that a try with the thoracic ext extensions on a foam roller and um, reach out to me. Let me know how it goes. I'd, I'd like to hear from you guys. So, yep, yeah, uh, that was today's podcast. Um, thank you for listening and I will see you guys next time.